Usually after the class, I walk home down 14th Street. As many of you know, I live almost to Avenue C. Oftentimes I find as I'm walking home, particularly as I start to get a little further along in my journey, uh, that I start to wish I was already home. Uh, maybe it's been a long day, uh, body is tired, maybe I'm a little hungry, uh, maybe the mind has a little bit of dissonance in it, and I don't really like where I am walking down the street on my way home, and I want to be somewhere else. what my thinking generally entails in those moments is this notion that right now I'm not happy, but when I get home, I'll be happy. Happiness is, shall we say, in my apartment. You know? And I might think about that, you know? Uh, getting my heavy boots off and you know, having something nice to eat and lying on the couch and grasping the remote control, <laughs> watching television, thinking that that's where happiness is. It's somewhere down the road. It's somewhere in the future. Now for me, and I would imagine for a lot of us, this is a way of looking at things that's quite habitual. You know, I've always said, perhaps kiddingly, although it's certainly not that funny that, you know, my, one of my great mantras in life was anywhere but here, anywhere but in this moment. Uh, so it's kind of been a habit of lifetime, of a lifetime to look into the future and think that that was where happiness lay. You know, and it started for me really as a young child, uh, and I have very vivid memories of that, uh, five, six, seven years old, and you know, living in a house where uh, there was violence, where uh, there was abuse, physical, verbal abuse, uh, where I was scared and didn't like being there and didn't want to be there, and thinking very clearly, uh, I've got to get out of here, and you know, understanding that I wasn't going to be able to get out of there until I got out of high school, but when I got out of high school and went off to college, then I would be happy. And to be honest, it was my biggest motivation to study when I was in school. It was very clear, like, I've got to get good grades so I can get a scholarship and get out of here. So the notion was always that, you know, I'm unhappy now and things are difficult right now and there's suffering in my life right now, but happiness would be something that I would know in the future. And as I said, all well, my life, this has kind of been the way that I've tended to look at things. You know, that my perception of things and myself and my life was that I wasn't happy and my life wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I was displeased with my life and uh, that although that was the way things were at the moment, in the future I would find happiness. 
I think a lot of times in practice, in my Dharma practice, uh, the way that I've gone about practice has been informed by this way of looking at things. You know, if I practice, if I meditate every day, if I go on retreats, if I make this tremendously wholehearted have effort, at some point in the future I'll be happy. At some point in the future I'll be happy. Someday I'll get there. And of course, I've worked very, very hard in this practice with the idea that someday I'll get to that place of happiness. Now, last week I talked a little bit about uh, some of the paradoxes, or one of the paradoxes, actually in response to Sam's question, I talked about uh, one of the great paradox of, paradoxes of our practice is that you know, we make a great effort to... Uh, to become more skillful, uh, to act in a way uh, that's going to be in support of ending suffering and finding happiness. Uh, but we also have to expect, accept that we're never going to be perfect. You know? We're never going to be perfect and we're always going to make mistakes and things are going to be difficult at times. So that's kind of a paradox. You know, we make this great effort to be skillful, but we also have to accept that we're not going to always be skillful. So another great paradox of spiritual practice, certainly of the Buddha's practice of the Dharma, is that we're asked to make a great effort, to make effort over a period of time, over the long haul, to be determined and persistent, understanding that awakening is a gradual process understanding that the process develops, as the Buddha said, slowly and gradually, the way the ocean floor gradually slopes down. So we're asked to make this great effort over a period of time. At the same time, we're asked to find happiness right now, right now in the moment that we're in. You know, so even being here right now, you know, the Dharma talk really is not so much about learning to do things or hearing things so that at some point in the future you're going to be happy. You know, the Dharma talk, and not because of what I'm saying, you know, I mean, really what we're asked to do is just to be here, you know, and that happiness is right here, right now. You know, this is like why Tan Jeff says, don't listen to the Dharma talk really focus on being here right now and knowing the happiness that's available to you in this present moment, the happiness inside. Focus on what's inside. There's happiness right here inside of ourselves right now and that's what we're asked to know. You know our view of things may be that the circumstances of our life aren't what we want them to be. They aren't so good. There may be suffering. Maybe it's the suffering of the body, the inevitable suffering of the body, you know, of sickness, of aging, of dying. Maybe it's the suffering of the mind, you know, of anxiety and worry and desire and despair, dissatisfaction. 
maybe our life circumstances, our situations aren't so good or aren't what they want them to be. Maybe our job and our career isn't what we want it to be or our relationships aren't what we want them to be. We don't have the things in life that we want. And our view may be that if I put in the work, if I do what I need to do in the future, I may find happiness. Things right now aren't so good. Things right now in terms of the way the body is aren't so good. But if I put in the work at some point in the future, maybe it'll be good. Maybe I'll be happy. Right now, the way the mind is, there's anxiety, there's despair, there's dissatisfaction in the mind. But if I put the work in right now, at some point in the future, things might be good. I might be happy. Situations of my life, my job isn't so good, but if I put the work in in the meditation and meditate every day and do what I need to do, at some point in the future, maybe I'll be happy. My relationships aren't so good, but at some point, if I do the work in the future, if I meditate, I'll be happy. So essentially what we tend to do is we rely on hope. We rely on hope. Now, hope is a very tricky thing, you know? I mean, hope can kind of come into play, and it can be valuable. It depends on what you understand by hope, but you know, hope is generally quite problematic and dangerous for us. Because often what we're asserting when we suggest to ourselves that we need to have hope that things will be better in the future is that happiness is not available to us right now in this moment. And by emphasizing having hope in the future, it may keep us from finding happiness right now, which is the only place where you're going to find it, right now. Right now, in this moment, right now. And there's really no happiness in hope. You know, pay attention to that. There's really no happiness in hope. job of the Dharma student, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, why we're training, what we're meditating for, is so that we can know happiness right now, in the moment that we're in, because that's the only time and place where we can find happiness. That's the job of the Dharma student, to find happiness right now in the moment that we're in, regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Regardless of the circumstances of our regardless of whether they're suffering, if it's the inevitable suffering of sickness, aging, death, and separation, or the suffering in the mind, our job is still to find happiness right now, right where we are. Right where we are. So the job of the Dharma student, we could say, is to overcome our suffering. Because there's always going to be suffering. There's always going to be suffering. There's always going to be suffering. Our job is to overcome it, which means really to rise above it. It's a good way to think about what this practice is about, you know, about rising above our suffering, developing what the Buddha called the heightened mind, where the mind can raise itself above our suffering. Our suffering is still there, but the mind is above it. And that's in large part what we're doing in practicing meditation. Our happiness depends on rising above our suffering, overcoming our suffering, not not having suffering. 
So we tend to think that I'll be happy when there's no suffering. That's when I'll be happy, when I can eliminate suffering from my life. I mean, I think again of my story of like all the work I've put in, you know, in meditation, in therapy, all the stuff that I've done for many, many, many years. And to a large extent, my goal was so that there would be no suffering, you know, kind of doing this. So someday I'll get to the point where there's no suffering in my life. It's not going to happen. I mean, that's one of the blessings of getting old. It's like you realize it ain't going to happen. And that's one of the, right, that's one of the hard things about being young. We have young people here, which is awesome. But, you know, we think when we're young that we're going to get to that point someday. Well, I'm here to tell you. (laughs) Hobby ain't going to happen. You know, that's why when people are dying, they say, you know what? I might as well be find. I might as well be happy because you know there's only a few minutes left, or a few hours, or a few days left. There's always going to be suffering. We're never going to get to that point where there's no suffering, and we're all suffering. You know, we're all suffering in a variety of ways. You know, our problem, and you know, and I spoke to this a little bit last week, is that we want things to be different than the way that they are. We want things to be different than the way that they are. And not only do we want things to be different than the way that we are, we're kind of desperate. We're kind of desperate for things to be different than the way that they are. My teacher talks about this a lot. The desperation for things to be different, for them not to be the way that they are right now. You know, in this wanting to things to be different than the way that they are, this desperation, this aversion to the way things are, takes us out of the present moment. This is one of the reasons why we have to practice meditation and develop that heightened mind and develop that quality of equanimity that I spoke to in the guided meditation. You know, this quality of equanimity allows us to be with things the way they are, even when they're painful, even when they're suffering, even when they're sickness, aging, death, and separation, even when the mind is in great suffering, you know, we're able to be with things the way they are. I mean, I had such a profound experience of that over the last year after my mother died. You know, great suffering in the mind, you know, but there was still this quality of equanimity and being able to be things with things the way that they were and have acceptance of that. It was kind of startling to me because I always thought, you know, know, I'm pretty far along the line in my practice. You know, I'd come across these experiences in life, death of somebody who was so dear to me. And, you know, the way that I would relate to that would be with no suffering. No, it's that there's suffering, as much suffering as I ever experienced in my life. But there was also that quality of being able to rise above it to some extent, to have acceptance of it and to be okay with it, and to be with it. I mean, that's the crowning quality that we're developing in our meditation, that ability to have equanimity, to be with pain, to be with suffering. So as, as Dharma students, you know, we have to accept, last week we talked about accepting our own mistakes and our difficulties, Uh, We have to accept the way things are. We have to accept the suffering of life. 
Nietzsche had a beautiful expression for that. He called it, he said it was the heart of all of his philosophy, which he called amor fate, Latin, amor, love, fati, F-A-T-I, the love of our fate. Now, it's not only just to accept our fate as human beings, which ain't so great. We're all going to get sick and old and die, and we're going to be miserable a lot. Can we love that? Can we love our fate? That's really what the meditation leads us to being able to do, to accept our fate, to love our fate. Only then can we know happiness in this life. Only when we can accept our fate. Only when we can love it. And love the fact that we're all going to get sick and die. That we spend so much time running away from sickness, aging, and death. And that basically means we spend so much time running away from life. And we can never love life and enjoy life and get the most out of life and be happy in life if we're always running away from it. when we're able to meet our suffering with acceptance, with equanimity, with love, and rise above it, then we can know happiness in this life. One of the, I mean, you know, and of course culturally, I don't want to go too far into this, but, you know, culturally, we've all been kind of indoctrinated in different ways in terms of how to deal with our suffering, you know? And one of the ways that many of us have been indoctrinated culturally, if you will, is through religion. And the idea of faith in religion, you know? Which really asserts that life is really painful and difficult and there's a lot of suffering. Find your happiness in your faith find happiness in faith. I mean, that's largely what religion, a lot of Judeo-Christian religion tells us. Everything is bad, but you know what? And we see it all the time, right? Everything's bad, but I have faith. I've got the Lord in my heart. And that's where happiness is. Well, that's not what the Buddha tells us. I mean, that may work for some people. Buddha says, find faith in yourself. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in your capacity to find happiness despite your suffering. Have faith in the happiness inside of yourself, the happiness in the heart, which really means having faith in your actions. Having faith that through our actions we can know happiness. You know, and again, it's not really so much what we do, but how we do it. It's really much more in this life not so much what we do, but how we do what we do. So happiness comes from taking action that's informed by the heart, that's driven by the heart, which is something we can always do regardless of the situation. And this was the talk I gave on the retreat. Regardless of what the situation of your life is, regardless of what suffering you're experiencing, we can always take action that's informed by the heart. We can always bring love and compassion to what, wherever we are and what's ever going on in our lives. We have that ability to do that as human beings. And we're training ourselves in developing that ability so that whatever the circumstances are in our lives, 
however we're suffering, if it's the unavoidable suffering of sickness, aging, death, and separation, or the suffering in the mind, you know, we can meet our experience with love, with compassion. And when we can do that, there's happiness. We know the happiness of the heart. Buddha's happiness is a happiness that's informed by those sublime attitudes. Equanimity, the ability to stay centered regardless of what the circumstances are of our lives, to accept the circumstances of our lives, to rise above them, to meet our lives with love, loving kindness. If there's pain and difficulty, to meet our experience with compassion, to take joy in life, to take joy in our own goodness, that we can develop. Everybody here can develop goodness, and we can take great joy in that. We can take joy in the people in our lives that are here to support us and love us. We can take joy in life itself. So our happiness in life depends on our actions. See, it's like your happiness right now in this moment, which is really the only time and place where you can find happiness, really, it depends on your actions. It depends on the intention with which you are here, sitting on your chair and listening. We can sit here and listen with love, and there's happiness. If we're in pain right now, if we're struggling with what I'm saying, we can sit here and love and sit here with compassion for ourselves. We can sit here with joy. What a blessing it is to be here on a Sunday night with all these wonderful people in this life, to hear these teachings, which very few people hear, to be able to do what we're doing. Happiness is, is available to us in any moment, but it depends on what we do. What we teach in the meditation, I mean, really, we're teaching that in the first class of the beginner's course. We have several people here who just took the beginner's course or took one of the last few courses that I took. First thing I teach, right, before you sit down to meditate or as you sit down, what's, what's the attitude? Is it unskillful? Well, I don't want to meditate. Then your action in meditation is going to be unhappy. For years, my meditation was very unhappy. Well, I can see that. I can have the intention. I'm going to meditate with loving kindness. It all starts with the intention, the words in the mind. All that we are begins with our thoughts. We connect the head into the heart. The heart knows what's true, so we begin to train the heart so that we can meditate with love and compassion, so that we can meditate with joy, with brightness. It's no different than anything else we do in life, what we learn right there in that first beginner's class. So another good meditation is a meditation that I often refer to a lot, walking down 14th Street after the class. I don't have to be the only one who can do that meditation. Everybody's going to walk down 14th Street to some extent after the class. So practice. Can you be with the breath and be centered? Have that equanimity. Have that even-temperedness. Rise above your circumstances, whatever they are. The body is tired. The mind is agitated. The external circumstances aren't 
what you would necessarily want them to be. See what's in the mind as you walk down 14th Street. I want to get home. I don't like walking down 14th Street. <laughs> Whatever it is. See if you can be here or be on 14th Street, walking down the street with loving kindness. I mean, that's the practice. That's the practice. It's not going to Tibet and standing on top of the, a hill and, you know, and, and rainbows. It's walking down 14th Street with love, with compassion. That's the practice. It's being here right now with love and with compassion. So have that intention. I'm going to walk down the street with love. If you're suffering, I'm going to walk down the street with compassion. Walk down the street with joy. What a blessing it is to be in this life. And when we do this, we know happiness. We know the happiness of the heart, which is the greatest happiness there is. It's a happiness that's always available to us. That's why we call it a true happiness.